0: Hello and welcome to Wayward Witch, a pagan podcast. My name is Miranda, and I'll be guiding you along this journey to explore non-denominational witchcraft for the modern practitioner every Tuesday. You can find us on your preferred podcast provider, or by following the links on Twitter at WayWitchCast, or on Facebook and Instagram at WayWitchPodcast. Feel free to reach out for questions, concerns, or even just a chit chat, as I do love to hear from all of you. Let's walk this path together. I want to preface this episode with a little disclaimer. I understand the material I'm going over today may incite a bit of bitterness from all sides of the spectrum. However, I want to reiterate that this is a non-denominational pagan podcast, and what's most important to me in the education spectrum is accuracy, especially in historical context. It's imperative that we stay true to history rather than shaping it for for our own agenda and losing the truth of it all in the name of religion. We're better than that. That said, today, we will be going over some common misconceptions and pagan traditions, and hopefully gain a better understanding of our faith. The most common question I see in my various circles is, Are all witches Wiccan? The easiest and simplest way to answer that is with a solid, resounding no. While it has been debated that there are traditions that predate the official founding of Wicca in 1954 that are now considered Wiccan, there are a plethora of other practices that do not, and will never, fall under the Wicca umbrella, though still incorporate elements of witchcraft. We can look at practices like Hoodoo, Voodoo, Santeria, and regional forms like my area's Ozark and Appalachian witchcraft to see that the Wiccan stamp of approval, so to speak, is unneeded in witchcraft other practices that aren't wiccan are things like heathen practices such as asatru druidic practices from the celtic empire and indigenous practices like shamanism while some not all of these practices can coexist just fine in wiccan practice you don't have to associate yourself as wiccan in order to follow any of these specific paths think of it this way I could be eating a sandwich right now. It could be a BLT, or it could be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They're vastly different sandwiches that aren't even remotely related other than the bread used. But they're still both sandwiches in their own right. And hey, maybe someone likes to put some bacon on their PB&J, or add some strawberry jam to their BLT. It's not for me, but I'm not going to try and sway someone from a food that they enjoy. Let people eat their sandwiches in peace. This next one gets under my skin a little bit. I've mentioned it before in the tarot episode, but I want to elaborate a little bit. This nonsense that people are spreading about how you shouldn't buy your first deck of tarot cards is absolute bullshit. I said it, there's my reason for my explicit content warning, and I will say it again It's bullshit, and it prevents so many people from going out and buying their own deck to explore their talents without having to wait for someone to be charitable enough to buy them a deck, which is a terrible practice anyway. Buying your own deck is a deeply personal experience. There are so many things to consider, like does the deck have a pull on you? Do you find the artwork pleasing to the eye or easy to understand as far as symbolism goes? Do the cards fit in your hands comfortably? Which is important for people like myself because I have tiny baby hands. Do you want traditional tarot cards or oracle cards? Maybe playing cards? And what if you don't want someone else's energy on your cards? It's already a task to remove energy from the cards from a manufacturer or artist, but to have someone else potentially imprinting on my cards before they're gifted is something I personally wouldn't want. Then we have to consider something else entirely. What if you live in an area where being out of the broom closet isn't safe? Implying that someone would have to buy the cards for you means that you would have to come out of that broom closet, potentially put a target on your back, and face backlash for simply asking people for a deck of cards so that you may proceed in your journey. When all of that can be avoided if you buy your own cards, put them somewhere safe and secret, and cut out the middleman, so to speak. You can even make your own cards if you want to make it more personal and less traceable. I've actually spent a few months now trying to figure out where this superstition came from so that I wouldn't step on too many toes when calling it out for what it is, but I haven't found anything. Buy your own cards. You know what you want out of a deck better than anyone else does anyway. Next up is a pretty personal topic for me. Here is where there will be no disclaimers because quite frankly, I don't care if I upset this demographic. There is this strange belief that's being pushed by white supremacist trash that heathenism is not only exclusive to white people, but coincides with a racial supremacy and white, pa- white power, as well as some Nazi propaganda regarding a disdain for homosexuals, the disabled, mixed races, and so forth. Now, I know that I don't talk about myself much in this podcast, but ladies, gentlemen, and NBs, I am a proud heathen. I am also proudly homoflexible, which means that I prefer partners of the same sex. I'm also an outspoken adversary to racism. That said, I don't know what these Nazis are going off of, considering that Norse mythology is rife with mixed races, considering Odin is the son of two giants, but had a son named Baldr with a goddess, Frigg, who doesn't have a connection to giants. It also has tales of the disabled being triumphant like when we learned the story of the god of war, Tyr, losing a limb to the great wolf Fenrir whenever he had bitten it off. That never stopped him. I mean, come on, even Thor dressed up in full glam drag to to retrieve Mjolnir from the giants by pretending to be a bride, all with the help of Loki. Speaking of Loki, they're non-binary. Loki is the father of Hel, Fenrir, Narfi, and Ornari, as well as the mother to the eight-legged horse Sleipnir. With all that said, I will be the first one to say that racial supremacy and Nazi ideology have no place in heathenism. At all. And I don't care if that hurts your feelings. We also need to talk about those who incorporate Christianity into their witchcraft. Anytime anyone brings up Christopagans or Christowitches in any form of witchcraft that incorporates Christianity, They like to bring up a verse from the book of Exodus, chapter 22, verse 18, which states, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Look, I'm not a Christian, and I know a lot of you have terrible experiences at the hand of Christians or the church itself, but we need to understand theology a little bit here. To keep it as simple as possible, the book of Exodus and all other books of the Old Testament are no longer law since the crucifixion of Jesus of the Nazarene. It would be like the people hating witches because we eat babies, sacrifice our scholars, rape and pillage entire kingdoms for fun, and bury people alive in large wicker effigies just to set them on fire. We don't follow those practices as a majority anymore. Are there people who claim our faith practicing in these kinds of things? Sure, probably. But the vast majority of Christians aren't out to kill witches. Stop using that excuse! There are so many practices that incorporate Christianity, its doctrine, and its practices in their own craft, and that doesn't invalidate the practice itself. What this is called is syncretism, and you can see it clearly in practices like Voodoo and Santeria, which I had mentioned earlier in the episode. While I understand that these particular practices are syncretized due to the slave trade, colonization, and forcing religion on tribal cultures during European expansion, there's a massive amount of practitioners that have a very close and healthy relationship with Christianity today. It is not my or your place to tell anyone who incorporates Christian practice into their craft what they can and cannot do. It's all part of the bigger problem that is gatekeeping. We need to stop telling others how they should and shouldn't practice. If it has no effect on your practice, just keep your mouth shut and let people believe as they wish. Contrary to popular belief, you also don't have to be theistic in order to practice witchcraft. You can work with magic all day long without devoting yourself to a deity. For example, in the 11 Satanic Rules of the Earth a set of rules in the church of satan which don't subscribe to a higher power thus making them non-theists rule number seven states acknowledge the power of magic if you have employed it successfully to obtain your desires if you deny the power of magic after having called upon it with success you will lose all that you have obtained pantheists as we covered in a previous episode may also practice witchcraft depending on the individual and they don't worship a deity either I also want to touch up on something with Satanism, there is this idea that Satanists worship Satan or worship demons or work in that realm of stuff, um, however they don't. The Satanists don't worship Satan or demons. Those, from what I understand, I, I'm not going to, don't quote me on this, (laughs) but from what I understand, it's the Luciferians or the actual devil worshipers that do go with that line of thinking and practice, which is totally fine. I'm not telling you what you can and cannot do, but again, we need to be a little accurate. So, okay, moving on. Some other quick misconceptions I would like to debunk in rapid fire are things like how the Salem witch trials didn't eradicate witches, but was more of an attack on women as a whole. It really doesn't have anything to do with our faith. And that's a really big common misconception, and I highly suggest you research on that a little bit. Or a lot of it. You should do it a lot of it. You also don't need an altar or other supplies to be a witch. Your validity as a witch has nothing to do with lineage and has everything to do with practice and consistency. There is no dress code, so you're not obligated to dress in all black or in flowy, fairy like dresses to be legitimate. Not all Norsemen were Vikings. That's something that a lot of people I've noticed don't seem to understand. Not everybody that practiced heathenry in ancient times were Vikings. You also don't need to have lineage associated with your preferred pantheon in order to practice it. You do have to be initiated by someone else to properly practice voodoo. Most importantly, research. Don't rely on one source or word of mouth or whatever kind of groups or circles you're in to get your information. Even with this podcast, every question you have, every inquisition, research it. We never stop learning through our journey through paganism and witchcraft and we should never seek to stop learning. For today's Mythology Minute, we're covering the head honcho of the Aesir, God of Wisdom, Poetry, Death, Divination, and Magic, as well as a main character in Neil Gaiman's American Gods, Mr. Wednesday himself, Odin. He's the son of Bor and the, guy, and the giantess Bastia, husband of the goddess Frigg, and father to Baldur, Hoder, Vidar, Vali, and Thor his most notable feature is the lack of one eye which he gave up to drink from the well of urder in order to gain unimaginable knowledge of the universe according to ancient-mythology.com odin loved to cause conflicts and shifts of power he once aided harold a danish king instructing him in tactics and granting him victories for years in the king's final battle however odin took the place of harold's charioteer and drove the king to his demise although odin embodied deceit violence and war he also embodied many admirable qualities he was the most knowledgeable god with a great love for wisdom he would willingly sacrifice himself for it with the great threat of ragnarok the death of all the gods odin built the valhalla a great hall of the heroic dead odin would then gather heroes and warriors who were slain in battle and bring them to valhalla so that they could fight alongside the gods on the vigrid plain in an attempt to strengthen and save the gods in the final battle against the frost giants at the time of ragnarok odin was killed by a wolf fenrir a monstrous offspring of the god loki and the frost giantess angerboda he's a pretty notorious god and the most notorious of the norse pantheon But I want to offer a little warning about Odin to anyone who wishes to worship him. He is not known to be nice or easy to approach and work with. But should you dedicate your time and devotion to him, your triumphs over his trials will be greatly rewarded. As always, you can check me out on Instagram for this week's infographic on ways you can worship the All-Father of the Aesir. Mm. Thanks for listening in, folks. I know there may be some hurt feelings or negativity in lieu of this episode, but again, it's really important that we stay true to our roots. If you do follow any of these practices, that's fine, but your way doesn't need to be forced upon others in order for your practice to be valid to yourself. Unless you're a Nazi. I don't care about them. I also recently posted on social media about introducing Patreon for the podcast and what you all might appreciate should you become a patron in the future. So feel free to check that out and add some input if you'd like, as I would love to cater to anyone who's kind enough to assist with the financial side of production. However, I do want to reassure everyone that Wayward Witch will remain ad-free as long as I have the power to keep it that way. I don't like ads, and I'm sure you don't either. So, as always, Witchlings, be kind, be brave, Be unstoppable. I'll see you next time.